Once again, good morning to all of you. And this morning, we are resuming our message series on the life of Joseph and the sovereignty of God. As you will see in our chapter for today, we will be focusing on Genesis chapter 45, and where the Lord continues to describe in his word the meetings between Joseph and his brothers. The entire chapter has 28 verses, but I would like to read with you now the first 15. So if you are able, let us stand in the presence of the Lord for the reading of God's word in Genesis chapter 45, we will begin by reading the first 15 verses. Uh-oh. There it is. Beginning in verse 1, I'll read most of the verses, but I'll ask you to read the final verses with me. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried, have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me. And you and your children's and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come. And you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Let us all read this final verses together. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them, and afterward his brothers talked with him. Let us all pray. 
Dear Lord, we thank you for the privilege of standing here in your presence, Lord, to meditate upon your word, and we pray that your name will be glorified, that your Holy Spirit would minister to us, that indeed your name will be exalted as we continue our study in the life of Joseph and all that your sovereign plans accomplish through him. We pray, Lord, that your name indeed will be glorified in bringing us to a closer understanding of the power of your sovereignty upon our lives. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Based on all the verses from Genesis 45, our message title for today is The God Who Gives Us Salvation. The God who gives us salvation. I believe all of us, if not most of us, would know what the Bible says in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This verse tells us that God loves us so much with such intensity that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us for our salvation. Despite any adverse circumstance in your life, you must never ever doubt God's love for you because God has already proven how much he loves you by what he gave you. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrates, that is, God proves his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The key message in our chapter today of Genesis 45 is that God is a Savior. That God wants to save and preserve life. John MacArthur said this, There is only one God and one true and living God, the eternal God, and he is by nature a Savior. He is a saving God. If God did not hesitate to give his only son, Jesus Christ, to give you salvation, won't God then give you everything else you need for his plans to be fulfilled in your life? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? When you face difficult circumstances in your life, it is imperative that you remember this. That God, the one who has begun the good work within you, he has not brought you this far only to leave you, only to abandon you midway. As I said, Philippians 1.6 says that the God who has begun the good work within us, he will complete it to the day of Christ. In Genesis 45, we will see clearly how the same God who has given you the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation, he is the same God who also gives you everything else you need for his sovereign plans to be fulfilled in your life. Today, through the testimony of Joseph, we will see seven gifts that the Lord gives us besides the most important and greatest gift of all, our salvation. First, we'll see that the God who gives us salvation, he also is the one who gives us healing. God gives healing. The Bible tells us in the two verses, Genesis chapter 45, 
Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, have everyone go out from me. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. Verse 2 tells us that Joseph was crying so loudly that even the people he had ordered to get out of his house, they could still hear him from the outside. And not only that, the Bible says that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. That means that those who could hear Joseph from the outside of the house, they were so shocked by him crying so loudly and so much that they had to run to Pharaoh's house to tell him about it, to let the household of Pharaoh hear of it. Why was Joseph crying so much? Verse 1 tells us, then Joseph could not control himself. Obviously, that verse 1 beginning with then connects something to the previous chapter, chapter 44 of Genesis, which we studied a couple of, years, a couple of weeks ago with Paul Johnson. At the end of that chapter, as you may recall, Joseph told his 10 brothers that they could leave and go back to their father Jacob, but they had to leave back their younger brother Benjamin. And it was at that point that Judah explained to Joseph why they could not leave Benjamin behind. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 44, Now therefore, when I come to your servant, my father, and the lad Benjamin is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, when he sees that the lad is not with us, he will die. Judah explained to Joseph that if they were to leave Benjamin behind with him, that their father Jacob would die of grief. In his mind, he had already lost one son, Joseph, whom he presumed to be dead. And now, thinking that he had lost yet another son, Benjamin, Judah tells Joseph, my father Jacob, he would die of grief. He would die of sorrow. It was at that moment when Joseph heard those words, then he could not control himself. Joseph, at this point, he is 39 years of age. It had been 22 years since he had last seen his father and the life he had with him. All the grandeur that he had achieved in Egypt could not erase how much he missed his dad and the relationship that they had with each other. The Bible tells us in Genesis 37 that now Israel, who is Jacob, loved jo Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. Certainly all those years living in misery inside an Egyptian prison caused Joseph much affliction. But that could not be compared with the hurt that he had inside for not being able to be with his dad. Remember when Joseph's first son was born, he named him Manasseh. Remember why? The Bible says in Genesis 41, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He named him Manasseh because that means to forget, to cause to forget. As he said, God was making him forget all his trouble, all the affliction that he was enduring and suffering in prison, but he was also making him forget his father's household, which was what he was missing tremendously. He had a hurt in his heart for not being able to be with his dad and enjoying the life that they both had before. 
Joseph had asked his brothers twice already if his father Jacob was okay, if his father Joseph was still alive. And they responded to Joseph and they answered him twice in Genesis 43.7 and Genesis 43.28 that Jacob was still alive. But obviously, Joseph could not bring himself to believe his brothers after all that they had done against him. It is understandable that the trauma of his experience had caused Joseph such an emotional wound for missing his dad. That now when Judah mentions his father Jacob again, Joseph cannot take it anymore. He bursts into tears and he has to know if his father is alive, if his father is well. The Bible tells us in verse 3, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Notice that at that climatic moment when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers, that almost become like a second thought, an afterthought. What was most important to Joseph was to see, was to know, was to find out if his father was still well and alive and breathing. Joseph was saying, yes, I am Joseph, whom you sold as a slave 22 years ago to come here to Egypt. But is my father still alive? Yes, I am Joseph, who is now second in command in all the land of Egypt. But is my father still alive? Yes, I am Joseph, who was talking to you, who was talking in the Egyptian language. And now I am talking to you directly in Hebrew. But is my father still alive? That's what was most important to him. Who can deny that Joseph had an unshakable faith? He is even mentioned in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews in chapter 11, among all the heroes of the faith. Despite all that he suffered, despite all that affliction, he never wavered. He never stopped his trust in God. But you see, even that great man of faith had a wound that needed to be healed. Even that great man of faith had an emotional wound that God was going to give healing to. It is important for us to understand that the same God who could give healing to Joseph is the same God who can give healing to each and every one of us. Think of your life before Christ. All of us have a story to tell. And some of us have a wound to be healed. The wound of addictions, the wound of a broken family, the wound of shame and regret, the wound of something so hurtful that we don't even care to remember. But all of us, as the song says, we are all broken vessels. But by the grace and mercy of God, he has put us all together. He has given us the new birth. He has given us a new life in Christ Jesus. And it is through the salvation that we receive in Christ Jesus that the Lord now, through his Holy Spirit abiding within us, that he gives us the confidence to say, Oh God, please give me healing. The world says that time heals all wounds. But that's nonsense. Just ask Joseph. 22 years had passed. And the wound inside was still just as fresh as at the beginning. Only God can heal our wounds. The Bible tells us in Psalm 147 in verse 3, God heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Physical healing is a marvelous blessing, but emotional healing is just as important. There are so many people living today walking like they are wounded. They are torn apart inside. They are physically okay, but emotionally they are in shambles. You can look at them, they look all put together, but inside they are shred to pieces. Only God gives healing. 
Only God is our true healer. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, Yahweh Rapha, he is the Lord our God who gives you healing. He healeth thee. God is the one who can heal you no matter what is the wound inside your heart. Just remember that we are all living in a fallen world and the ultimate healing that God will give us is when we see him face to face and we are glorified in heaven, in that place where there shall be no more pain, no more death, no more tears, no more sorrow. God gives healing. But the God who gives us salvation, he is also the God who gives forgiveness. The Bible tells us that after Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, asking about his father Jacob if he was still alive, what was his brother's reaction? The Bible says, but his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. They were speechless, because the Bible says they were dismayed. You see that word dismayed in the original Hebrew? It means to be terrified. It means to be filled with fear. Why were Joseph's brothers so afraid? Well, obviously because they knew what they had done 22 years before. And now they are afraid of the consequences. As the Bible says, their sin had found them out. And now they are afraid of the punishment that Joseph can inflict upon them. Especially now that Joseph has a position of authority. What was Joseph's reaction? Someone looking in from the outside would say, Ha, ah, now it's payback time. Ah, now <laughs> this is going to be the best part of the movie. Yeah. Joseph is going to go medieval on them. Is that what he did? The Bible tells us, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. Humanly speaking, Joseph had all the rights to exact vengeance after what they had done to him. He had all the right to send them away and let them perish within the famine. But he didn't do that. He said, come closer to me. He chose forgiveness. Just like Joseph's brothers, we too, we too stood condemned before the holy God. We too stood condemned before him in our sins, in our failures, in our errors and mistakes. And he too could have sent us away empty-handed to remain condemned. But by the grace of God, the Lord said to you and me, come closer. If you are still living under the burden of your sin, of your, your past mistakes, this is the time for you to receive Christ as your Savior, the one who has died for you at Calvary's cross, and the one who can give you forgiveness. The Bible tells us in James in chapter 4 in verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Come closer to him. Like Joseph said to his brothers, the Lord says to you, come closer to me. Our Lord Jesus Christ has said in an universal invitation in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, Come to me, 
all who are weary and heavy burden and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Lord, our God, he gives forgiveness. But in the same way that Joseph gave forgiveness to his brothers, God too expects that you and I were to give forgiveness to those who offend us, to anyone who would treat us in a wrongful way. The Bible tells us in Colossians in chapter 3, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. You are never more like God than when you forgive. You can never act more godly than when you choose to give forgiveness. Joseph said this to his brothers, Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen, and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And then afterward, his brothers talked with him. Joseph chose to give forgiveness even before his brothers could say a word. Did you catch that? He had already shown his heart of forgiveness and reconciliation by hugging them, by weeping on them. You can only imagine that afterward, when they started talking to him, that this would have been the appropriate moment for each and every one of them to say, Joseph, I am so sorry. Joseph, I am sorry. We betrayed you. We sold you as a slave. We treated you in such evil ways. But the Bible doesn't say that. We don't know what they said to Joseph afterwards. But it truly, the message here, especially for the Bible, not telling us what they told him, is to highlight the fact that he had already forgiven them no matter what they said after. He took the initiative, just like God. He took the initiative to save you and to forgive you. Even before you could escape 2 Corinthians 4.4 that says that the God of this age has, had blinded our eyes so that the light of the gospel would not shine upon us. We couldn't come to Christ on our own. But God took the initiative, just like he took the initiative in the Garden of Eden to call upon Adam. God took the initiative to save us and to give us forgiveness. He took the initiative. He saved us and he forgave us. Only God could give Joseph the grace to forgive his brothers after all the evil that they had done. And in the same way, only God can give you grace to forgive those who have done wrong against you. But it is in your best interest to ask God to give you the grace to forgive. I repeat, it is in your best interest to always ask God to give you the grace to forgive. Even more, like Joseph, to take the initiative even before they have said a word of repentance to you. You know why? Because that's what the Lord Jesus teaches us in the disciples' prayer in Matthew in chapter 6, where the Lord tells us, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, 
then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. As a Christian, no matter how wrong the other person is, when you refuse to forgive, you are not hurting them. You are just hurting yourself. The Lord said, if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive you either. Based on these words from Christ, the Puritan Thomas Watson once said, Men will go to hell, not only for not believing, but also for not forgiving. Men will go to hell, not only for not believing, but also for not forgiving. Always ask the Lord to give you grace to forgive. Even if you are the one who needs to take the initiative, just like God took the initiative with you, the same God who gives forgiveness is the one who wants to forgive others through you. The Bible tells us that also the God who gives us salvation, he is the God who gives us understanding. The Bible says that Joseph said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth. And to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now therefore it was not you who sent me here. But God sent me here. Three times Joseph repeated that. These verses form the key passage in this entire chapter of Genesis 45. What Joseph suffered almost, almost cost him his life. But in the end, God gave him understanding that it was all according to the purposes of God. The Lord gave Joseph understanding of the covenant promises that the Lord had made with his great-grandfather Abraham, with his grandfather Isaac, and with his own father Jacob. The Lord spoke to Jacob in Genesis 28, Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. The Lord made Joseph to understand that Jacob's descendants would not come to their demise because of their famine. Because the word of the Lord would not fail. The Lord had already promised in his covenant that the descendants of Jacob, they would be multiplied like the dust of the earth. And not only that, as he says at the end, that in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Because out of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you will come one descendant, the most prominent and the most important of them all, none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was going to come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to provide salvation, to complete the work of salvation, to be a blessing and a Savior for those who put their trust in him. God gave that understanding to Joseph. But I am sure... That when he was 17 years old, when he was screaming at the top of his lung for his brothers not to leave him inside that pit and then not to sell him as a slave to Egypt, I am sure that he could not have all this understanding. 
But 22 years had passed. And now the Lord gave Joseph clear understanding as to what his purposes were. The Lord gave him understanding as he grew in spiritual maturity. As he grew in his spiritual relationship with God. As Christians, all of us receive greater understanding from God as we become more spiritually mature. And as Christians, we mature spiritually as we become more and more like Christ, as we grow in Christ-likeness. The Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 8, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. The same God who allowed all those experiences to come into Joseph's life is the same God who allowed all experiences to come into your life. Whether you see them as good or bad, you must understand that in the eyes of God, according to the sovereign purposes of God, all has been allowed by the Lord to come into your life. He is molding you into spiritual maturity. He is molding you into Christ-likeness. That is the ultimate goal. Whether in your eyes you see your experiences as, as being good or bad, the Lord wants you to have a yet higher understanding, a divine perspective as to what these things that are happening in your life truly mean. The Lord is in control. You may not always understand all the trials that the Lord allows you to go through, but you must never, ever, ever lose sight of the fact that God will fulfill his sovereign plans for your life. You may not always understand all that the Lord is allowing to come into your life, but remember this, God is the one who can give you peace in the midst of the turmoil because you can rest on the fact that it is all according to his plans. Joseph received understanding that came from God. The Lord gave him understanding despite all the difficult years that he spent being sold as a slave into Egypt. Finally, he came to realize that it was all God. He didn't say his brother sent him there. He said three times, it was God who sent me here for a specific purpose. Nothing can happen against our lives that it is not permitted by God and according to his sovereign plans. This is the greatest aha moment in the life of every believer. The moment when you come to the full realization that nothing can happen in your life that it is not according to the permission of God. And it is still, everything is working together for good, for you to grow in Christ-likeness. No matter what you are seeing right now, trust in the Lord that he knows what he's doing in your life. If Jesus is in your boat, no matter how bad the storm gets outside, you can still trust in him. His plans will be fulfilled in you. He is faithful and he gives us understanding. The God who gives us salvation, he is also the God who gives us hope. The Bible tells us that Joseph told his brothers, hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. Now, wait a minute. God in his promise, in his covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob had said, that the promised land was in Canaan. That the promised land was where Jacob was. 
But because of that famine, if Jacob had stayed there, he would die. He could not survive. How can we reconcile that? God said that that was the promised land. And now Joseph is saying, tell my father, Jacob, and all your descendants, bring all that you have and come live with me here in Goshen, in Egypt. You see, God was giving them hope. Yes, they were obedient. Jacob was obedient in staying in the land of Canaan. But for that season, for that moment, for those times, God had allowed them to move into Egypt to give them what? To give them hope. Both Jacob and Joseph knew that that was not the promised land. In fact, before they died, they both made everyone commit to them that they were not going to leave their bones in Egypt. They wanted their bones to be transported back to the promised land as God had said. That was just for a season. They understood that the Lord was doing that way, was working that way to give them hope so that they would not perish. You might be living in a season in your life where you say, God, this cannot be my final destination. You might be living in a season in your life, in your family, with your children, with your husband, with your wife, in your career, in your job, whatever it is, that you may be saying, Lord, what is happening? This cannot be it. This cannot be the end. Brother and sister, I tell you, the Lord is the one who has allowed this season in your life according to his sovereign plans for you. What you must understand is that we can only live one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. But bask in the fact that the Lord is faithful in giving you hope for what he has providing for you, for you to live today. Your future is in the hands of God. God is the one who is allowing that to happen in your life for him to provide for you. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37 verse 25, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Yes, Canaan was the promised land, but if Jacob had stayed there, he would have died. And he wouldn't have anyone to give him bread, even if he were to beg. God knew what he was doing, and God knows what he's doing in your life. Trust that this is nothing but a season, but the Lord is the one who is with you and gives you hope no matter what is happening. The Bible tells us that God gives us peace. The God who gives us salvation is the God who gives us peace. Joseph said to his brothers, God has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Joseph told his brothers that God had made him a father to Pharaoh, to this Pharaoh, Pharaoh Sanusret III, who reigned from 1878 until his death in 1839 before Christ. The sculpted face of this pharaoh at the Metropolitan Museum of New York is one of the most famous and most recognizable pieces of Egyptian art in the world because most pharaohs considered themselves to be a god on earth they would not allow their faces to be molded, but they would ask the artist, they would tell the sculptor to depict them as divine 
as being an eternal being, something that would have to be imagined by the artist. This Pharaoh, he allowed his actual face to be molded. So even today, almost 4,000 years after, we can have an idea as to what he looked like. Now some historians say that this Pharaoh was a new, younger Pharaoh, different than the Pharaoh who had the dreams that Joseph interpreted. If that is true, that would explain why Joseph said that God had made, has made me a father to Pharaoh. Because Joseph, even though he was young at 39, this Pharaoh would have been someone even younger than him. Be that as it may, whether he was the same Pharaoh or not, that is not as important as realizing what God was doing. That God was still working in the heart of the Pharaoh, the same Pharaoh or not, God was still working in the heart of Pharaoh for the fulfillment of his sovereign plans. As we read last month in Proverbs 21, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. God was working in the heart of Pharaoh to give peace to Joseph and to his chosen people. Because notice what Pharaoh said to Joseph. He said this, beginning in verse 16. Now when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts and go to the land of Canaan and take your father and your households and come to me. Pharaoh was telling Joseph that he should tell his family and his father to come to him in Egypt. And he says, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are ordered, do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Do not concern yourselves with your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Now, folks, Joseph had already told this to his brothers. He had already said this. He had already told them that they should go back home and bring their father Jacob and all that they had back into Egypt. But obviously, Joseph had spoken all those things to his brothers without first seeking Pharaoh's approval. Because if he had passed this by Pharaoh before, then Pharaoh would not be repeating the same things to Joseph as though he was speaking to them for the first time. There was no one superior in all the land of Egypt, superior to Joseph, except for one. Who? Pharaoh himself. Pharaoh could have overruled Joseph in what he said to his, for his brothers to do. But that is not what happened. It is incredible to think that Pharaoh gave Joseph the order to bring his father and all the people of Israel into Egypt, knowing how the Egyptians felt about the Hebrews. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 43, the Egyptians could not eat bread with the Hebrews, for that is loathsome to the Egyptians. It was repulsive for them even to eat with the Jews. Some say because the Jews would eat animals that were considered to be holy and sacred to the Egyptians. Be that as it may, the Egyptians did not want to, be any, to have any affiliation with the Hebrews. And yet Pharaoh said to Joseph, go back and tell your father and let your brothers and everybody and their descendants come here and stay here with me. 
How does that happen? God gives peace. God worked in the heart of Pharaoh. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, Proverbs in chapter 16, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. God was in it. God was giving peace. It is interesting to note that 400 years later, a new pharaoh would be in charge. And a new pharaoh would not treat the people of Israel the same way. On the contrary, he would make them to be his slaves. He would abuse them and mistreat them. And that too was in accordance with God's sovereign plans. Who would raise Moses for the exodus so that the people of Israel would finally leave the land of Egypt and begin their journey into the promised land. The same God who raised the Pharaoh and gave peace in the times of Joseph was the same God who 400 years later in the times of Moses did not give peace but gave conflict. But both circumstances was in complete accordance with the sovereignty of God. The Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 13 in verse 1 that there is not a single governmental authority that is not in power without God's permission. Everyone in power, everyone in government is only enjoying that position of authority because God has allowed them to do so. God is the same one who has the power to appoint those in government of this nation. Remember, the sovereign plans of God, they all came to pass no matter who was Pharaoh. Church, the sovereign plans of God will always come to pass no matter who is president in this nation. What God demands for each and every one of us is to trust in the God who gives peace. And yes, it is true. Each and every one of us as Christians, we sure we must vote and participate in the process of praying and hoping that God will elect candidates who profess according to our Christian values, according to our Christian beliefs. But let us not fool ourselves thinking that what can change this nation is what we can do inside the voting room. What can change this nation is what we can do inside the prayer room. It is according to the commandment of God that we must pray so that he can give us peace. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We must pray. Only God knows how much longer, how much time we left before the church of Jesus Christ is persecuted even in America. But I can tell you one thing. What is most important for us to remember and never forget is that the same God who gave peace in Joseph's time is the same God who can give peace to the church in our times. We must pray. We must pray to the God who is peace and gives peace. The Bible tells us that God is also the one who gives special provisions. The Bible tells us beginning in verse 21, Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them 
wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garment. Joseph gave provisions to all his brothers, but to his 10 half-brothers he gave him one set of clothing. To his full brother Benjamin, he gave him five sets of clothing plus 300 pieces of silver. And to his father, he gave even more. The Bible says, to his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. Now, there are many Bible commentators who go into numerology and they try to interpret this passage according to the meaning of the number one and number five and number ten. I, I, I don't go there. I believe that the meaning for us and the interpretation for us of these verses pointing to the fact that God gives us special provisions is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, as the Bible says, we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men but especially of believers. Some say that this verse teaches universalism, that says that God will save everybody in the end. Nobody is going to go to hell, but God will say to everybody at the end, come on into heaven. That's nonsense. Our Lord Jesus spoke more about hell than he spoke about heaven. It is sad but true, there will be millions of people going into hell for all eternity with no escape. What this verse is teaching us is that God's earthly blessings are given to all men, whether they are believers or unbelievers. God's earthly blessings are given to all. As the Lord Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 45, he says, God, he sends the sun to shine upon all, the righteous and the unrighteous. And he makes the rain to pour down over the believer and the unbeliever. God is good to all. He gives his earthly blessings to all, but God gives eternal blessings only to those who belong to him and are special to his kingdom. Joseph gave special provisions only to Jacob and to Benjamin. All of his brothers received provisions from Joseph, but only those who were special to his heart received special provisions. The Bible tells us in Psalm 25, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. Did you know that the Bible tells us in Psalm 145 in verse 9 that God is good to all men? Yes, the Bible says it. God is good all the time. God is good to all men. But did you know that in the very next Psalm, Psalm 146 in verse 8, the Bible says, but the Lord loves the righteous. But the Lord favors the righteous. God is good to all, but he favors the righteous. God is good to all mankind. But you, as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, rest on the fact that God will always have special provisions for you. That the Lord will always see your need in a special way. 
that God will always take care of you as a citizen of heaven, as a citizen of his kingdom, as a citizen that has given your life to Christ Jesus and he is your savior. The Lord is the one who gives us special provisions. And lastly, we see that God is the one who gives consolation. The Bible tells us, then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told them saying, Joseph is still alive and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But Jacob was stunned for he did not believe them. The Bible says that when the brothers finally came home, they told their father Jacob that his son Joseph was still alive. Now, once again, the Bible doesn't record what the brothers said. And one could only assume that this would be the point where they said, Daddy, we were evil. We were the ones who caused all the troubles to come into Joseph's life. We were the ones who have allowed you to suffer these 22 years thinking that your son Joseph is dead. While we know that he was still alive, living as a slave in Egypt. But the Bible doesn't say that yet again. The Bible just says that, jo that Jacob, he stood stunned. He was speechless, just like his sons were speechless before Joseph when Joseph revealed himself. Now, his sons were speechless before Joseph because they were afraid. They were terrified of the punishment. Jacob was stunned and speechless, not because he was afraid, but because he did not believe them. It had been 22 years of him thinking that his son Joseph was dead. But now, like never before, he would experience the God who gives consolation. The Bible tells us, when they told them all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, it is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. The Bible says that J Jacob's spirit revived. It was though he became alive again. Something had died inside of Jacob when he learned of his son's death, or so he thought. No one can imagine the pain and the grief a parent goes through after the death of a son or a daughter. Just like his son Jacob, just like his son Joseph, Jacob also had an emotional wound. And when he finally goes into Egypt and he speaks to Pharaoh, the Bible says that he said to him, the years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. Jacob is speaking to an unbeliever. He's speaking to someone who did not know God. This is his testimony before him. He says, the years of my life have been few compared to the years of his grandfather Abraham who died at the age of 175. Even more compared to his father's age when he died at 180, his father Isaac. Because Jacob was expecting that he would die soon, he was saying, I have only lived 130 years. I have only lived a few years, just 130. Little did he know that he was going to live another 17 years and died at 147. 
But he said, I have lived just a few years. And not only that, he said, I have lived a few and unpleasant years. Do you know what that word unpleasant is in the original? Is the word evil. Jacob was saying, I have lived few and evil years in my life. How can someone who had such supernatural encounters with God himself speak such words with such pessimism as Jacob is speaking here? But you see, probably Jacob had struggled all his life with depression or issues of his emotional wound, especially after the death of his son, or so he thought. But now God had a tremendous blessing to give to Jacob. A tremendous consolation that only God can provide. He was going to see his son alive again. He was going to see Joseph one more time. Obviously, the consolation that God gives you and, and me after the death of a loved one today, it's not the same as the same consolation that God gave to Jacob because after all, Joseph wasn't really dead. But the consolation that God gives you and me are in the words of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4 where the Bible says, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And so comfort, give consolation, encourage each other with these words. We will see them again, those who gave their lives to Christ Jesus and receive him as Savior. We will all be reunited one day once again. Brothers and sisters, the God who gives us salvation, the greatest gift of all, he is the one who gives us healing, forgiveness, understanding, hope, peace, special provisions, and consolation. At different points in our lives, it is certain that you have experienced these gifts from God to you. But the greatest and most important of them all is the, is the gift of salvation that the Lord has given us. It is wonderful to experience these gifts of God on this earth during our moments of trial, during our moments of tribulation as Joseph experienced them. However, as the Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 8 and verse 18, brothers and sisters, the suffering of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to each and every one of us. Trust in the Lord our God. For the same God who was sovereign and fulfilled all his plans in, Jacob, in Joseph's life is the same God who is working in your life for the fulfillment of all his sovereign plans. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you for the hope we have in you, for the excellent promises that we know we can trust to have from you, God. Because you never fail us. You never will forsake us. We praise you, Lord, for all the experiences that you gave and you allowed for Joseph to go through. That serves to us as spiritual lessons. As we can certainly see the power of your sovereignty for the fulfillment of all your plans in our lives. May your grace, may your blessings remain upon our lives now as we pray, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.